2AA. Um, do you want to introduce yourself or do you want no, to? No, you can do it. I want to hear what you have to say. I was kind of anticipating that you would do it, so I didn't put anything together for it. So. You put anything together about your brother that you've known for every second of your existence. That is true. That is true. Today on AA, we have a very special guest who is potentially my Irish twin off by four months. So not really Irish twins, but we like to tell people that. Anyways, he is a current student at Appalachian State, a former Marine infantryman, and a former high school wrestler. <laughs> Welcome to AA. Oh, also, he's my brother. <laughs> Are those the only things that you know about me? They're the most important and most uh, redeeming. My high school wrestling career is in the top three things? Yes. Okay. It is my belief that it is. Um, I can also say the recipient of... We were the joint recipient of this award uh, when we went to Charlotte and we were on a funny bus ride. The comedian, I say in quotes, comedian, not funny, um, was telling jokes the entire time. And at the end of the ride, he said, okay, I'm going to hand out awards for people who were the easiest to make laugh and who had the funniest laugh and who laughed the most and stuff like that. And then he gets to the last award and the last award was people I really hated performing in front of. And Nico and I just looked at each other and we started dying because we knew it was us. <laughs> and I think about that moment a lot. Yeah. I, I wonder if that man thinks about that moment. Probably not. He's probably gotten his life just shredded right in front of his eyes by people before. Um, so I guess most of that information was true. Um, I did four years in the Marine Corps after I graduated high school. And then I transitioned out, went to school back in Ohio, hated that. Came back to North Carolina. I go to Appalachian State University. And I study sustainable technology now. Kind of going off of where you're at currently and how you got there, because initially you were interested in doing nursing and being the empathetic person that you are and helping people. Ultimately, after your first year, you didn't go to Appalachian State or Appalachian. How, how do you pronounce it? Appalachian. Okay. You didn't go to App State your freshman year. Um, you only went, you just recently enrolled. And so once you changed, transferred schools from OU to App State, why did you decide to make the switch? Yeah, I guess everybody that I transitioned out of the military with, so all of the guys that I deployed with, stuff like that, we all got out in then like a six month window, eight month window. In pretty much of the like 20, 25 guys, only two or three really kept with their initial plan, um, you know, and that was pretty much the ones that went and became cops. Everyone else, it's kind of, you know, you had this great plan. I don't really want to put all of my business on a podcast, but when I separated, I made a decision to go to OU that was influenced by nothing that had anything to do with. Ohio University. Also, the combination of I went from four years of no school into four years into a full full year of Zoom. That also kind of left a bad taste of nursing uh, in my mouth. And it was kind of I realized like a lot of people don't want to help themselves. A lot of people that are in the hospital don't want to help themselves. And so I kind of just took a step back and I was like, am I even actually interested in nursing or is it more of like a job placement pay type of thing? And there was some, you know, genuine want to help people. Um, and then app is one of the few schools that has a sustainability program in multiple different things. And I was reading about it and I was talking with the nursing advisor and she was kind of just like, why do you want to be a nurse and all these other things? And I was like, I kind of don't want to be a nurse and, she suggested like the sustainability department. I looked through it and it was kind of all things of that I'm more interested in. And so, and it wasn't even majors I knew existed. I didn't know that 
sustainable technology, sustainable building, sustainable development were even majors that were offered. Right. And I mean, that makes sense because the position I hold right now, I'm a customer success manager. I didn't know that existed until I graduated and somewhere offered me the position. A lot of these positions in tech companies and especially with sustainability being kind of on the forefront of most people's ingenuity and innovation now is in sustainability. And so if you're not sustaining a tech, I don't know who you would choose to do that because mechanical engineers, biomedical engineers, like all of these people want to go out and save lives and don't ultimately realize that saving lives also is dependent on saving the planet. And so there's a lot of correlation in um, having tech jobs and also a lot of growth in our current economy and our current climate that we're in, which kind of brings us to the topic of conversation of, okay, we're here we are 23, 25 years old and trying to figure out not only how to be decent humans ourselves and keep ourselves alive, but also fix the generation's prior mistakes that they've made in climate change, in humanitarian efforts, in things of that nature, while also trying to improve it for not only ourselves, but future generations, because it's now become our burden to bear. And it just kind of becomes very overwhelming and very draining to figure out, okay, here's all what we have. And here's what we need. Here's what I need to do personally. Here's what I need to do for America. Here's what I need to do for the world. And they all kind of just become this huge weight that get put onto your shoulders of, okay, well, where do I make an impact? How do I make a difference? With you and sustainable technology, is that something that you see being a relief on what you're able to contribute? There's a couple of things. It was a, the major was not what I thought it was. Um, There's a lot of other classes that are hard to swallow. Um, There's a lot of information that comes out and that you're being taught that you don't think about. I thought it was, I'm going to learn about renewable power. Well, there's renewable power and renewable energy is such a small piece of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like a small example right now, one of the classes that's an elective that I was like, oh, like I don't even want to really be a part of this, but it's, I really like the professor and that's why I took it was waste management. And it's this idea of like, you know, people put their trash into their trash can. That is the last time you ever think about that. You'll never think about that trash ever again when that's a huge problem in society. To answer your question of like, what can we do at an individual level? It's hard because there is so much right now that's being thrown in everyone's faces. And like I was telling you from that book that I was reading is like, it's a completely appropriate response to be like, I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening because that's easier for me to get through day to day. And that, and it, it is like, that is a perfectly like justified response because the, what somebody that's not in sustainability knows about the environment is already really, really doom and gloom. And when you get into sustainability, you find out that that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many more uh, sectors that are just degrading day by day that you don't think about. It's not just a fossil fuel problem. It's, you know, a society issue, how we attack problems, how we attack our lives, how we go about our daily lives. I mean, it's, it's the whole picture and, and it is a lot. And I think the best thing that any individual could do is to just read about it and just be educated. Like, man, where does my trash go? Where does my energy come from? There's people that don't know plastics are a derivative of oil, but then they burn through plastics. They throw Ziploc bags away endlessly, not knowing that that's not renewable. Not everyone can recycle. I get that. That's part that's real, you know? People work 70 hours a week. I don't expect them to take their recycling 30 minutes to the uh, drop-off and come home. Like it's, it's, that's not reality. Reality is what can you do in your daily life? And for example, one big thing is not eat animal-based protein for one day. 
that reduces your fresh water footprint by thousands of gallons, not shortening your shower, not turning the water off when you're brushing your teeth, but not eating animal-based protein. I mean, there's a lot of little things that, you know, you can implement into your life in certain areas and, you know, maybe you can't do that. And so when you're ordering all this stuff on Amazon, wait a week, don't order and get one back and order another and get another back. You know, like think about what you're going to be putting into your trash can. And I think that that also touches on just as a circle back about what you said about people getting educated. I think that's also part of the issue is that people just don't want to read on this information because it's upsetting. It's depressing. The Mm -hmm. news is bleak. And it's, I used to listen to a news station every morning before I would drive to my internship when I was working in Charlotte and it was just so upsetting. And I ultimately stopped doing it and I, A, stopped being as upset about things, but then B, uh, unintended consequence of that was that, okay, I was choosing to ignore that information to spare myself of any negative feelings, but then I wasn't being informed. I had no idea what was really going on in not only our society, but other people's societies. I became extremely ignorant as to what was going on. And so it's just what's worse, being ignorant or knowing and having to bear that weight of that negative consequence that's happening. And so I think that's ultimately the most difficult part. And then in addition to educating, okay, say you do, you really do want to learn about something and you are passionate about finding answers about it. Okay, then you get overwhelmed with trying to find a certain reliable source that feeds you that information because nowadays now we're struggling with okay is this coming from the right or from the left and it's difficult to even receive news about something as the something that should be non-controversial like climate change like you'll get information from the left and you'll get information from the right and they'll completely contradict each other but ultimately how do you know which is right because you don't like you may have grown up believing right side or right wing tendencies or left wing tendencies, like you're getting exposed to too much information and also too much bipartisan information that you you kind of feel overwhelmed of how you should even be consuming your information. So then that puts you into another conundrum of, okay, I've decided I want to learn about it, but I have no idea what a reliable source is and who a reliable source is because everyone's going to say they're a reliable source. They're not going to be like, Oh yeah, this new source isn't reliable and that's why you should listen to us. So that, that just brings up another issue of trying to figure out, okay, I want to be educated, but I don't know how. I think that the biggest piece in that is there is a lot of information that gets put out, but you, every individual needs to be able to take two articles and be able to cross-examine them and be like, okay, these are both giving me the same general idea, but what information is the same? You need to be able to read through politically charged words because in the end of the day- that's expecting a lot from people. No, and it is, but the, the, the thing is that every, the people that want, that do, uh, this is really generalized. People are becoming more independent. People are leaving both sides because of how polarized things are. And people generally mm-hmm. feel that they're independent. And mm-hmm. people that are independent, climate change is not a controversial topic within that community. People think, yeah, I can see the effects happening every day. Mm-hmm. What are a good, what are good sources for that? And Everyone, like if you read something about they're building solar farms on Fox News, you can you will realize you can pick out the words that they would use there versus somewhere on CNN. But in the end of the mm-hmm. day, the wattage or the kilowatts or the surface area of land that it's covering or where it's at, you know, all that information that that's not arguable. That's right. that's, that's solid fact. Um, yeah, and that is a huge problem now. Is like sifting through really bad uh resources because you don't know what's true there was uh in one of my classes they had us read this article that was posted by 
a conservative news source. And they interviewed this woman who's a science teacher at the high school who is saying that solar panels emit cancer. She doesn't know how, but it's a fact that it absolutely does that they kill people. She's a science teacher. She's teaching kids that, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. like, you need to be able to go on to Google then and be like, huh, do solar panels give people cancer? And I'm sure you'll find stuff that says yes, but what is that source? And that goes Mm -hmm. everything beyond solar panels. It's not just. Oh, right. But the the problem with that is, is people have used titles of articles as clickbait. And so the title of the article pertains nothing to the relevant information in that article. And then it's just like, okay, where is that information? There's a disconnect in the information that we're receiving. But I don't think that's an issue for people that are independently researching. But that's the issue. Because if you think about it, okay, how many articles do we receive from dad who I'd like to say that dad is pretty informed. Our father is, he reads information and he's up to date on a lot of current events and he understands a lot of what's going on. He just reads article titles. Does he read all of them? No. And when we call him out on it, he's like, oh yeah, no, I didn't read that. I just read the title and then I send it to you. And that's it. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people do that, but a lot of people do he that. He's not independently researching. But that's what I'm saying is like, he is probably what the majority of people do. Because the majority of the times he'll send us these things. And I'm like, I'm not reading that. And I just read the title. And it's a, like, that's the only thing I get is the title. Well, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier is the hardest part of a sustainable future is getting that knowledge out to people because people and in America, we're so set in our ways and not only getting that information out to people, but getting people to live that information out to act on, okay, here's my situation. Here's 10 solutions. One of them's applicable. Let me use that one answer situation Mm -hmm. that's that I can use Mm -hmm. in my day-to-day life. Um, And I think that it's not really an issue for our age of our crowd. Like I, people want change. Uh, people, mm-hmm. our dad's age do not want change. They're not welcoming right. to change, uh, which is a huge problem because they have all the money and money talks and money's how change happens. As a younger person, as somebody who would listen to this podcast and be like, I do want to be a part of a sustainable future. Read about it and implement what you can. There's a thousand mm-hmm. different ways. There's a million different things. There's cotton mm-hmm. tote bags or those very durable plastic tote bags. You know, there's benefits to the, to the cotton. There's benefit. What, you know, there's a million different things that you can do and what fits into your lifestyle will fit into your lifestyle. And I think you can find all of that information on reliable sources from the internet and multiple reliable sources that you can cross examine and be like, okay, this is solid information like this Mm -hmm. is what is literally happening in our society and ultimately there's a lot of good literature that's now coming out i know i saw on your amazon cart you got the bill gates how to avoid a climate disaster which is free on i sent a link on linkedin that bill gates posted of the audiobook that you can listen to um so if you just go to bill gates's linkedin he has the audiobook linked on his profile. But anyways, so he even addresses he even addresses what he's able to manage and he doesn't try and come at it from a sideways angle of not acknowledging that he's a billionaire that has a private jet that he uses. He acknowledges it in a sense of do what you can with what you're able to do and also tells you about what happens if we don't. And I think that's ultimately what helps me is understanding, okay, this is what's going to happen if things don't change. Yeah, the climate's going to change, but what really comes of that? Okay, so there's rising water lines, there's increased natural disasters, there's a lot of unintended consequences that come along with 
the words climate change, which is kind of something that is maybe obvious to most people, but isn't obvious simply from the wording of climate change. There's a lot of things that happen outside of just literally the climate changing. But but moving back towards technology and uh, Gen Z in technology, we've become a very tech-reliant generation, and that's come with a lot of unintended consequences, uh, both good and bad. So one of the bad things that have come from that is, and not to make this whole podcast very bleak and only focusing on negatives, but one of the unintended consequences that has come of it is that we spend a lot of time on social media and we spend a lot of time learning about things that we didn't know existed prior. So we come into the world with very tribal instincts of, okay, here's our immediate group and here's who we see and here's who we talk to and here's the information we learn about. Now we're able to digest so much more information and digest so many more interactions that are outside of our immediate network that we would have ever had prior to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and things of that nature. We are being so, we have so much exposure to all of these relationships and all of these people that it's kind of put a weight on our shoulders as to, okay, people are out here doing X, Y, and Z. For example, Greta Thunberg, who's 13 years old or a young teenager that's leading the climate change revolution. So just to tie those two topics together, you have someone who's 13 years old, who's already impacting the world. And you're like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? How come I'm not doing this? And it just puts this weight of anxiety on your shoulders, um, at least for me personally. And at, um, I listened to a podcast recently about the increase of number of anxiety cases in our generation as opposed to generations prior to us. I think that social media came in, and this is not something that I like study or anything or personal opinion, I guess, but it right. came in really fast and its effects were also really fast um, and crippling to the younger generations for sure. But I think that somebody threw up the red flag a while ago and people have slowly been pumping the brakes since over the last maybe four years, it was eating away at people. Um, but I think now, you know, it is an extremely powerful tool. And once you realize like, wow, like I can connect with anybody in the world like Greta, you can hear about her and hear about what she's doing. And instead of that, like crushing you as a person, you could think of it as like, wow, there's other people that care and their situation allowed them to do X, Y, and Z that they do. And mm -hmm. I think for me, at least, I, I can't even remember what that guy's name is, the beautiful long brown hair, but seeing stuff like oh, yeah. on Instagram, like seeing stuff like that, it's like, wow, like there's it's, he says the country and what they have going on. And it's like, wow, there's people all over the world that care. And so I think it is, it is hard and it is crippling, um, especially for younger people. But as I've gotten older, it's definitely became a more of a tool to me for sure. And I, and I don't really have a fix for that. And I don't know if there is a fix for that. I just think as people become more educated about what social media was doing to them as individual. And you have to admit that there was an issue. You know, I mean, you have to be able to look at your screen time and be like, wow, like that's pretty bad. If I spent mm -hmm. four hours on Instagram reels or TikTok, like I could have spent those four hours like reading a book. And that is something that definitely dawned on me over the summer when I read a book. Uh, I don't like reading, but I, I just got really engaged with that disaster capitalism book that I read. And it just had, it seemed like every sentence had information that was like, wow, this is extremely eye-opening. And I was like, well, I'm just going to read about things that are important to me. So I, that's why I bought that, the Bill Gates book and then a few others. And it's now I have all that information and I can share with the people that I know through social mm -hmm. media, connect with people through social media, but it, it is hard. 
um, especially being younger. Yeah. And just kind of playing off of that, I've definitely come into some areas that I've become very passionate about. I was very interested in investing in venture capital and uh, finance. And so I got a ton of books on VCs, entrepreneurship, how to invest, how to be an intelligent investor, all of those sorts of things. And for me, as I was reading them, I appreciated the fact that I was becoming more and more informed and that I was able to utilize my time against screen time. And so that I was actually feeling productive with the time that I was spending in my day. But then at the end of my day, I don't know why, but I would always have this extreme anxious feeling that I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't investing early enough. I wasn't investing in the right things. I wasn't figuring out my personal investments as much. And so after feeling that extreme wave of anxiety, I would stop reading for weeks at a time and just submerge myself in social media. Because going back to what you said, it's easier just to not know. It's ex- it's easier to just drift by. And does that make it right? No. Because change is hard. Doing things that are good for you is not easy. I don't know where it came from. And I want to say you were the one that said it to me, but something, and a few times I've literally physically, when I get anxious about something, I write down what about this is giving me anxiety and then cross off that list. What can you not control? What is out of your control? You didn't invest when you were young enough. Well, you can't go back to being 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't go back to when they started drilling oil in Pennsylvania and be like, pump the brakes. This is slow down. This is a, this is turns out really bad. So it's, you know, you, you only can control what you can control. And that's been, that, that helps me so much is like, because say you fail a test or you get passed over for a promotion at work. It's like, is that going to matter a year from today? Whatever just happened, is that going to matter a year from today? If yes, which getting passed over for a promotion, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. What can you change? What can, what can you control? And there's so many issues today where it's, you know, we're looking at these 3000 foot elevation and looking down and there's just so much. And it's like, how could anybody ever conquer that? And it, and it seems like you can't, there's no way. How can we reverse climate change? That there's so much that goes into that. I mean, transportation, trash, it's our uh, food pyramid. You know, there's so many things that go into it and what can you control? And that's in the end of the day, it's not just climate change. That That's literally everything you do in life is, I can't control that all these other people are on vacation during spring break and they're posting about it on social media. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I can't control. I, I'm at school, you know, that's their situation. That's my situation. You can't, and you also don't know if they're happy doing that. Right. All you can control is yourself. And the only thing that you can do is continue to make everybody, every single person knows right from wrong. Mm-hmm. People actively choose the wrong decisions and not to segue really too far from it, but on anxiety and college students with anxiety, I deal with it a lot because one, I'm a veteran that runs high in veterans and it runs high in college students because you're getting exposed to the world for the first time. Like there's a lot going on and people don't live healthy lifestyles. You know, I always, when somebody tells me like, man, I I just get so anxious. I'm like, do you drink a gallon of water a day? Like, and it's kind of a joke, kind of not a joke. Like you have to take care of you first. There's people that really walk around and aren't drinking water and they have anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Those, those things connect. You have to realize Mm -hmm. that drinking water, going to class, not skipping, not sleeping in, getting eight hours, working out, living a healthy lifestyle, all of those pieces that are all so little, you can't just pick and choose what you want to do. It's right. all one big thing. And you have to make good conscious choices and live a healthy life. You have to make 
wholesome choices that you know are right for you. Right. And And I think not to interrupt, but you're living a very different college experience because you're coming at a different time than I did. And a large majority of people come right from high school into college. And so they're predisposed to all of these movies and TV shows about what it's like to party in college and how to be a party animal and total frat move and barstool sports and how to pour as much liquor into your body and not remember anything as you possibly can. And so you're being predisposed to this and you're like, everyone does this and every, this is how everyone has fun. And granted, yeah, that can be fun. It can be really fun. And there was a time when I was balancing training for a marathon, partying like that, doing engineering. I was doing all three of those at one time. And that is probably the hardest year that I'd ever had in my entire life because it was so draining. I would wake up, I would go on a long run, and then I would go to my 8, 8, in my 8.30 class and then go to class all day and then go to boxing afterwards and then go to a sorority event, get completely hammered to the point where I had drank way too much. And then the next morning I would repeat the same thing. And I did that. And luckily for me, my marathon ended in October, but I continued that pattern of, okay, workout, go to class, get drunk, workout, go to class, get drunk. And it was ultimately not fulfilling. I then had a pattern of, okay, this is what I was going to do. And luckily I was interrupted by J term, which is our one month period between our fall semester and our spring semester to kind of reset and reevaluate. Okay. Here's where I'm at. And what I was doing was not sustainable. And since then I've recognized that there's a lot of adults that still kind of live like that. So being in the area that I'm living in now, it's people joke about college 2.0, you graduate college and you move to this neighborhood. Okay, fine. Cool. The problem that And it's not necessarily a problem, but you see people that are here that are 28, 29, still doing the things that they were doing in college. And you're like, okay, well, I don't see myself doing that in five years, but that's who you surround yourself with. And what we've always learned was show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so you're trying to, okay, I'm trying to have fun while I'm also trying to manage my finances, while I'm also trying to manage, okay, how do I be a better person, not only for myself, but for the world. And so you come to these crippling realizations of like, oh my God, I've been having fun, but also at the same time, I feel terrible. And I can't tell you the last time I ate a vegetable. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, when you would go and get blackout drunk, like you actively, you know, that that is not going to benefit you. And so it, you need to grow up or not you as an individual, but like, right. As a person, you need to realize like you have to have goals. I think that's a huge thing in itself. I think that if you're getting out of college or transitioning away from the military, you have to have short-term and long-term goals because that keeps you within these guidelines, right? Mm -hmm. If you weren't running a marathon in college, if you weren't training for a marathon, you would have gotten, you would have had more excuses to get more drunk or to go out more nights or to do this or that, or eat less healthy food. Because you, Mm -hmm. I know for me personally, when I know I have a run, like I'm not going to eat eight corn dogs because I'm going to shit myself while I'm trying to run. Like that's a fact, or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get trashed on a Wednesday night because having near a 4.0 is that's important to me. There's nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to leave this university with a high GPA and I want to perform and I want to run these marathons. And those are goals that I've set for myself that keep me within the guide rails that I'm comfortable living in. Um, Mm -hmm. And this weekend, for example, uh, App State played UNC. It was a huge thing. And I told myself I've been, I've not drank for a few months. And I was like, I'm going. And when I started that, I said, I'm going to drink at the UNC game. That's when I'm going to like have a break. And I skipped my long run because I'm, I am a human being, but I didn't, right. 
I didn't sacrifice my homework or my schoolwork. Like it was just that one area. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'll give up in here to do this. And I drank mm-hmm. and I supported my social life and I went out and I had a good time, but I didn't black out. I came home and I went to dinner and I, mm-hmm. and I woke up today and I did homework and now I'm doing this, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. you have to have goals because that gives you balance. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of like short term, two, three month long goals and 12 months, 18 months. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And really the whole idea of this podcast of things being heavy, like that should be heavy. Like when you say like, I want this in five years, that should be hard. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's this motivational thing where like people should laugh at your aspirations, like maybe a little bit. Yeah. Like, but it's hard, it's hard work. And I know where I want to be and I know what I have to do to get there and blacking out is ever, not, is not in the agenda. That's not in the algorithm, but mm-hmm. drinking, having fun. My vice is going out to eat. I eat not like an athlete. I train like one. I lift Monday through Friday. I hold myself accountable to that. And I hold myself accountable to my miles and my schoolwork, but I eat out three times a week because I, that's what I like. And that's how I know that's how I keep myself in these guidelines. And that's the Mm -hmm. hardest thing is coming to the realization. Like I need these guidelines and I have to set up these guidelines or not guidelines, guide rails to keep you within that spectrum moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's not easy. And there's a lot of sacrifice. And then you, the worst part is, or, or at least for me, the hardest part is you find out who your friends actually are because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to smoke. Like I'm not drinking. Sorry. And and then you get these comments of like, Oh, you're not who you used to be. You used to be more fun. This was that's that. Okay. Like, that's fine. I I'm sorry. You don't like me, but I'm right. not. And, and sticking to that is really hard. And, you know, and sticking to five-year plans and 10-year plans when in the society that we live in, it's ever changing. I mean, we're in right. the, I, I don't really know what the right verbiage would be, but we're in the exponential part of the curve. Like we're shooting up things today is going to be so vastly different from 10 years from now and Mm -hmm. adapting and overcoming obstacles as you go along that curve, that's going to have to be part of it. And you just, you have to buckle down and, and you have to be honest with yourself and hold yourself accountable. And that's hard. It's not easy, but that's what separates, you know, you from the pack like not everyone can do it and that's the that that is also reality is not right. everyone can hold themselves accountable and that's how you see people that aren't successful and it's it's sad and I, I would wish for everyone to be successful but that's just not the case and, and you really need to surround yourself with people that not want the same things as you right like I think money's not uh income salary is not a driving point for me, but I have friends where it is. And I also have friends that, you know, they are susceptible to falling off the horse, but I know that they're good people and there's somebody that I love and I, and I, I hold them accountable. And, and I know that in their mind, they know that I'm here for them. And the second that if they just keep falling off and they know I'm just going to get there and help them back on, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I, you have to have good friends and that makes being a good person easier when the people around you are also being good people. Right. And ultimately going back to bearing the weight of it all, I know that for me, I know that I didn't want to stay in Ohio after I graduated from school. And so that meant that I had to move somewhere. I had to make friends. And so making friends as an adult is a lot more difficult than making friends any other time. And I know I've talked about this on a plethora of my other podcasts, but so I won't go into it too much in depth, but trying to find people that are interested in what you're interested is, is very difficult. And going back to what you were saying about, and not that it's not possible because obviously it is possible. I've made friends. I found people that I have common interests with and people that motivate me and, Ultimately, a lot of it is coming from what feels good for you and 
that's not something that's not a goal that you can set. It's not really a metric that you can set. It's not, okay, I'm going to hang out with people that like to make money because those people might not make you feel good. And they, it's, it's a very difficult thing to achieve. And I think that's been the most troublesome thing for me in addition to money and finances and stuff and how to feel a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in that realm and feeling like you're doing enough, you're completing enough, you're contributing enough to your future, so on and so forth. But who said what is enough? Exactly. That's and that's kind of what I was these saying are the, earlier. Yeah. So these are the metrics that are difficult. It, it obviously it varies from person to person, but metrics for socialization and self-efficacy and how you personally feel are wildly hard to put into metrics. It's, it's hard. You can't say, Oh, I'm going to hang out with this person once a week, because if I do that, then I'll feel good about myself. Yeah. Like what that other person doesn't mean anything. Like what happens if that person's going through a hard time, the one day that you want to hang out with them. There's definitely That's, equilibrium to all of it. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. I completely agree with you. But what I'm saying is that it's difficult it's easy to goal set in a lot of aspects of life. You're going to be like, okay, I'm running a hundred miles this month. I'm going to get a 4.0 or I'm going to get a promotion or I'm going to eat healthy five out of the six or five out of the seven days a week and blah, blah, blah. Like those are very th- easy things to make metrics, but it's also nice to have metrics in other realms of life. And maybe that's just me talking as a very data driven person, but what do I have to do? How do I know what's right? Like once you get into a relationship with somebody, how many days are you going to spend with them as opposed to the friends that you've made and all of those sorts of things. So that's when other things start playing a factor. And then again, you start loafing again. Wow. I feel bad that I've been hanging out with my friends more than my significant other or been hanging out with my significant, significant other more than my friends. So then I'm not going to hang out with anyone and I'm just going to sit on my phone and watch Netflix. And so then you get into that lull again and it's just another area that you have to try and figure out what's right because you can balance having a relationship with someone over text and over facetime and whatever have you now that we have social media and technology to do that but it's different than when you actually take the time to set aside to get with that person and I'm digressing here but essentially I agree it's good to have metrics and good to have goals because that's the framework of your entire life. If you're not working towards anything, you're working towards nothing and you're yeah. not growing as an individual. You're not helping anybody else. You're not helping yourself. And I it's think, easy to also get into that lull. I, yeah. And I think that you are right. There is no, you can't, it would be really weird in some serial killer stuff. You're like, I'm going to hang out with X person Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for 90. That is really weird. Mm -hmm. But I do think, at least for me, and again, it's the same thing as building a sustainable future. There's no one size fits all. You have to plug and chug what fits in your life. And for Mm -hmm. me, I was like, I went through a horrible rough patch after my first semester. um, And I was like, I need to take care of myself first. I need to do what I want to do and I need to do what I like to do. And as I slowly built what I am now, I guess, people naturally filter themselves out. I was like, I don't want to drink anymore. And so as people started realizing that when they asked me to go, I'm going to say no. They Those people filter themselves out. And as people mm-hmm. here at school are like, they realize that I want to be active in the, you know, on campus there, Hey, you should come to this meeting. And it's, so I think that naturally through goal setting and Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself, your friend group will filter and you'll, your significant other, like you were saying, will filter into that friend group. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, not, not necessarily always true, but I just think that you really can't, you have to have goals. Right. Goals will get you the people around you that you need. And I think while you're saying that something that came to mind or a word that isn't necessarily metrics or how to attain the best relationship with your significant other or with your friends or with your family, there's no cadence on how to do that. But 
It's also just being intentional, I think is the most important thing in your social life or in your personal life is just being intentional because I think ultimately that's the justification for everything. Being intentional with the articles you read, the people you follow on Instagram, what causes that you're doing, how you're allocating your time. Being an intentional human allows you to achieve things that allow you to grow. And so being intentional in- people around you. Exactly. So it's, it's that's what I'm saying. It all yeah. And I think intentionality is the word that both of us were yeah. looking for and that we never, no one's ever assigned to that particular feeling or that particular metric, if you will, is right. just being intentional with everything that you do. Because like you said, people will come, but people will also, people will go, but people will also come. So if you start allocating your time to things that you care about, like for instance, sustainability, you're going to find a lot more people that are interested in sustainability. If you're interested in running, you're going to find a lot more people that are interested in taking care of their body and eating the right things to make sure that they're able to perform. And you're going to learn a lot about how to take better care of yourself through other people, which is awesome and great. And you're also going to have other people that are, you can talk to about it and talk to about your journey and they'll talk to you about theirs. And it's just a great collaborative environment where you're finally meeting people that do something besides for a drink because as fun as it is to go out and drink and have fun with your friends I love to do it I have trouble saying no to it I've recently started trying to go out and just having water and that's what you get when you go to the bar people go up and they order drinks and you order water and it's just as fun because the energy is still there I mean so it's not like you have to choose oh I have to have a healthy lifestyle or I have to go out like you it's you can have both and it's just figuring out what works best for you. And again, that just goes back to intentionality and how you're choosing to be intentional with how you're spending your time, treating your body and what information and people you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's all I've got on all of that. (laughs) Um, Do you have any closing remarks well, I did say to like get educated and not that sounds so like condescending, but to read about it. And one of the books that we're actually reading in my in a physics class is Draw Down, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. It sounds horrible. It sounds like a textbook, but it has they brought together a hundred scientists. And then there's just a hundred different topics of sustainability moving forward. And it's only, it is like every sentence is information packed and it's only like, this is transportation for trains and that's all there is to it. It's Mm -hmm. just that one page and it is just, it's digestible. What is this book called? Draw down the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse climate change. Um, and it was like ten dollars on Amazon. Um, and so I assume it's probably also at the library because most of these books are at the library. Yeah, probably. Um, but I've only read a little bit of it because I'm only reading as the class assigns the reading. But I mean, it is super digestible, um, and it's in a language that somebody outside of sustainability can read this and be like, oh, wow, like that's super impressive. And there's a lot of doom and gloom in the concept of building a sustainable future. And I think that this book does a great job putting light on all of it into the topic. Mm -hmm. And it really, I think that at first it was really hard. The sustainability was really hard learning about it. Um, But now I have a really positive attitude because it's almost like this is our opportunity, you know, in a thousand years, they're going to be like, these are the people that, you know, turned around mm-hmm. the, the earth's trajectory and, and it's hard and that's heavy, but, uh, it's also exciting. Yeah. It's exciting and it's an opportunity and it's a whole new field and the world is changing and we're here for it. Um, so I think that that's exciting. And I think that everyone should be a part of it and be excited for it and, and just do what they can do to help move that along. I agree. Okay, if you didn't agree with that, that'd be bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no, I mean, our generation so, definitely has a lot on our plate. And ultimately, there are a lot of things that our generation is taking into consideration, climate change being one of them. Um, but also the anxiety that comes with social media and our connection and dependencies on technology and the unintended consequences that have come with technology um, and also planning for our futures and things of that nature. And all these things tie in together and balancing how to feel good today while also knowing that it benefits you tomorrow is ultimately a powerful mindset to have and also being intentional. So I think that those are kind of the main takeaways that I've got from this conversation is that doing something that feels good today might feel good today, but is it going to feel good tomorrow? And are you being intentional about the resources that you're consuming or the resources that you're putting out? So all of that is kind of the key essence of this talk, I would say. Yeah. And I would say one last thing that I always tell myself is it's, it's just not that serious, Mm -hmm. you know, and that goes a long way and it goes for a lot of things. A lot of people beat themselves up. We're all here. We're all humans. We're all trying our best. And Mm -hmm. that's, if you, if you can say at the end of the day that you put your best forward, like your best foot forward, you, you know, you did a good job and you should appreciate that in yourself. And it's not everything is, is life or death and just take everything a day at a time and take information as it comes. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, (laughs) I apologize for all the issues relating to our recording session uh, that came from that, but I appreciate your time and I appreciate you coming on. As always, great talking to you. Okay. I'll see you in the family group message later. <laughs> okay, that's nice. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for coming on. I'm going to end it now. Okay.